0: Hi, this is David Vincent, and I'm the superintendent of schools for the Wiley Independent School District, and I'm joined by my co-host,
1: Amanda Martin. Hi, I am the director of counseling services in the Wiley Way, and welcome to the Achieving Kids podcast. This is a conversation featuring experts and subjects related to raising happy, successful children in today's world.
0: On each broadcast, parent guests will join in and provide their perspective on current trends and issues our kids face in school, society, and at home.
1: Our goal is to provide a better understanding of how the decisions we make help promote the best interests of our kids and community.
0: We will tackle big subjects, entertain different viewpoints, but the focus will always be on equipping you with the strategies that will help them become Achieving Kids.
1: Our subject for today's podcast falls on the hills of the latest school shooting. In Wiley ISD, we have a standard that every student have at least one positive relationship with an adult as a method of engaging and deterring acts of violence. Most students who commit these acts are isolated individuals without connection or support. By engaging our kids with kindness, caring, and love, we will give them the hope and happiness necessary to thrive in a positive way. In Wiley, we actually measure student-teacher relationships three times per year to identify and help those who feel isolated. Our focus today is to learn about the value of caring, kindness, and engagement, and reflect on one parent's experience of losing a child to an incident like what happened in Florida. Daryl Scott, parent of Rachel Scott, is the founder of Rachel's Challenge. Rachel was a victim of the Columbine school shooting in 1999 in Rachel's diary she wrote, I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go. Daryl's life has been dedicated to Rachel's challenge to bring kindness and caring to the world in a chain reaction that has touched over five million lives.
0: Amanda, I am so excited about this show because it is something answers that we have to questions from parents each and every day and every time i get this question it goes back to daryl discussing describing and talking about his vision for what rachel did and so without further ado i uh, want to introduce our guest mr daryl scott from colorado thank you for joining us via phone Oh, thank you. Um, he is again the founder of Rachel's challenge and and, and most importantly the uh, the parent of Rachel Scott. Our Wiley ISD parents are also my bosses. Uh, their fellow school board members Barbara Goss and Heather Leggett. welcome moms.
2: Good morning, good morning.
0: Uh, having high school parent high school kids is huge and you being the parents. Uh, I know we talk about this. I have a kids the same age. It is so awesome to have you and, and to talk about what we can do to make our kids' lives better. Uh, our amazing high school principals, Mr. Mer- Bertie Montgomery, principal of Wiley High School. Good morning. And our amazing principal from Wiley East, Mr. Mike Williams.
3: Good morning, Dr. Vincent.
0: And we also have a our, our person, he's gonna actually mic up here in a minute, but Ian Halper, and he's helping with technical stuff too, but he is our executive director of communications and community relations, and he's also in charge of safety and security. So I will talk to you in a minute. Daryl, let's kick this off. Can you tell us a little bit about Rachel? Kind of what you learned and parents and what parents can do to help us help our kids and establish this environment that promotes caring and kindness and, and really trumps the violence that we saw last week.
4: Well, Rachel was my middle child. I have five children and three stepchildren. And all of my all of our children are are just wonderful people now. They're all adults. But uh, Rachel was born with just this sense of caring about other people. From, from the time she was a little girl, we have pictures of her uh, showing acts of kindness. She's the kind of child that would bring home a stray dog or a stray cat and want to keep it. And uh, so there's a downside to her kindness as well. So, <laughs> but, but overall, she was an easy child to raise. Uh, you know, each child has their own temperament. So I think she had the advantage of having that temperament from the beginning, I, uh, I feel like I made so many mistakes as a parent. I think every parent probably looks back and says, I wish I could do those things over again. But uh, if, if there's one piece of advice I would give to parents to, uh, to, to buy some material from uh, an organization called Love and Logic. Now, Jim Fay is a very dear friend of mine. Dr. Jim Fay started a program for parents over 30 years ago and his advice is one is the best I've ever heard on how to raise responsible, respectful uh, children. So I'm not being paid to promote their organization. I'm here to promote mine. <laughs> but I believe so much in what they teach and what they practice that I would encourage every parent to go online to Love and Logic and, and get their material, because they have materials from uh, from uh, infant, infancy all the way through the high school years, the teen years. Um,
0: Love and logic, we'll make sure we do that. And
4: that, that really would be my advice because everything I could say, they say better.
0: Well, you know, when you ask what we do as far as trying to help our kids and you try to see what we can do to, to impact the lives of kids that, that have these issues or concerns that are isolated, you know, you have through so many stories and we're gonna get into that today and, and, and we're gonna be able to tell some stories because we are a Rachel's Challenge School District as far as promoting the process. We're really, really impressed with with what you've been able to do there, and most importantly, had made such a big dent on curbing school violence with, with love, with caring, uh, and relationships.
1: Mr. Williams, you and um, Mr. Montgomery both have Mega Lunch at your campuses. Can you tell us basically what Mega Lunch is and how it has helped create relationships or connections with your students and teachers.
3: Yes Amanda we adopted it uh, last year and this is our second year into it and the benefits that I see from Mega Lunch are each student can have tutoring with their own teacher Mm -hmm. you know uh, on our campus teachers have either uh, so many days a week their own duty and so many days of the week they're tutoring or they are involved with a club organization. Every student has the opportunity during the school day to be involved in a club organization because they're gonna meet during that one hour time period sometime during the month. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have uh, clubs or organizations that meet before and after school, sometimes that will exclude some students because of the other activities they're involved in, Uh, whether it's in athletics or whether it's in fine arts, or maybe they're having to ride the school bus, and this allows them that opportunity to To be able to get involved in multiple organizations, and we have seen a a growth in our our um, our service organizations, our uh, organizations that are attached to um, uh, whether it's a choir or our Skills USA or BPA, because they'll meet during those particular time periods. So it's been very very helpful, and of course our kids. You know, sometimes kids like to be around their teachers. They have yes. developed uh, really great relationships with teachers. So the kids, they'll pick their lunch up. Sometimes they'll go to a teachers' classrooms. You know, you can walk down the hallways, and, and and of course, we give it. The teacher has the option whether they, if they have, they have a thirty-minute duty-free lunch. Yeah,
1: they get to eat. They get to eat. <laughs> but
3: sometimes the, ki- the teachers will tell the kids, "Hey, you can bring your lunch in." While I'm eating lunch, have lunch with me, then we can, if we've got tutoring, we need to go over. Or if you just want to hang out, you can hang out. So we we give it, we, we leave it up to our teachers to make that particular decision. And, um... You know, wow! You can walk down the hallways and you can look and see what's taking place. And there's teachers that have, you know, numbers of kids are just hanging out in their classroom. They'll bring their lunch or they'll get through with lunch and they'll go to that classroom. Um, a great story, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Ship, uh, our physics, one of our physics teacher and our science department lead. He is a musician. You uh, know, he, you know. W- He'll perform different things during the year: plays guitar, or sing, or different things in his classroom, and it different uh, uh, presentations that we might have on campus. And uh, Mr. Ship, on certain days of the week, he'll he'll have this whole group of kids that will come to his classroom. They'll bring their instruments. They're called the Rock Club. Aww. And they'll come in. They'll bring their instruments, and they'll they'll be jamming out down in in the hallway or back in his classroom. And it's just really neat because a lot of those kids they have no other buy-in with anyone else. Now I look at that crew, that crew of guys and gals, and I'm thinking, wow, are they involved in anything else? And a lot of them are not. Mm-hmm. But at least it, what it does is it gives that group of kids an opportunity to develop a strong relationship with a with an excellent teacher, and even more important, somebody that cares about kids. Right. And we all know David and what a what a great guy he is, and and uh, how he cares about kids and and uh, you know, I really appreciate that that's just one example there's many other examples as well of, of teachers whether it's Mary Carter or whomever it might be that, that do the same type of thing
0: well you know that's so cool because it does I was at Wiley East yesterday and I had a chance to talk to kids and they were just so connected Daryl it, from a Rachel's Talent Challenge perspective you can see where this builds that kindness and caring in right? Oh absolutely I
4: don't know that I have anything I could help you guys with because I know what Verdi does, and I know, uh, I know what your district is doing, and the, the other high school there. So you guys are right on track. We've we've actually learned from you.
0: Well, you know, the thing is, is we're building on your greatness, and it's great. We have the chance because when you start with love and connection, that 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 is big and and so helpful. Verdi, speaking of Verdi, you're a national leader in Rachel's Challenge. Uh, you have a great stories about how it changes lives. Um, we were lost one time uh, when it was me, my son, Cal, and Birdie and his wife, Pam, and and Cal was glad that we got lost because he wanted to hear more Birdie stories. And I think <laughs> Pam was tired of hearing the Birdie stories, but it's all about Rachel's challenge. And tell us a little bit about, you know, I, he, Cal loved to hear the glove story. Can you talk a little bit about Rachel and the glove story and about how that impacts what we do and how things work at Wiley High School?
5: Certainly. We uh heard Daryl for the first time in 2006 when he was at Grapevine and, uh, I was there in a coat and tie and, uh, before he was done, my tie was sopped with, with, uh, tears. And, uh, I got back and we just, it, I was just moved by all of it. And as, uh, as time has evolved, uh, Daryl's gotten to tell me stories about Rachel that, that, uh, uh, they don't tell in all of them in the, uh, in assemblies. And I was, I wish we could get them all in, but the assemblies would be four hours long, but the, the glove story is one we tie a project to as well. And, uh, It just hits me, it hits our kids because this story is real and every one of us in here who've ever had a part-time job understand what this story is about. When she was working at a subway and daryl was good enough one time when i was there visiting that we actually went to the subway where she worked and i got to sit at the table where the old lady in this story sat, and then it was just it just made the story even more real for me but but uh we get the story from there Dar- from rachel's um diary and she was working one night she was closing and she was there by herself and she hears the the ding on the door and she looks up and this little lady has walked into the to the to the uh, subway and you can tell she's a, a bag lady she sets up uh, rachel describes her setting up uh her table pulls out her bag and everything and rachel's thoughts immediately went man i got homework i've got to do this and this lady's going to want me to give her food she's gonna and she was mad at her for coming in late if we've ever any of us have ever had a job when somebody comes in right before closing your evil thoughts toward those people just kind of <laughs> trick in and, and and that's one of the things that makes rachel so real is that she was like every one of us and uh, and we tied her and in the meantime while she's sitting there having these bad thoughts about this lady another the dean comes up again another lady comes in and orders a couple of sandwiches and rachel fixes the sandwiches and uh two drinks and two chips bags. And then uh, as the lady leaves, she watches her go to the door and she stops by the old lady and she puts one of the bags, uh, one of the sandwiches in front of her, the drink and the chips. And then Rachel started beating herself up about, Oh my gosh, I could have taped that lady. This guy took advantage of a saw the need and she's over there cleaning up and a few minutes pass and, uh, she hears the ding again and looks up and the old lady's gone. So she runs over there and she had left her gloves there and she, uh, just a couple of tattered gloves. Like you would see a bag lady have, and she goes up and down the street trying to find her. And in her diary, she reports that she kept them there for a couple of weeks. And then of course, Columbine happens. And, uh, that all goes, goes awry. And uh, one time when the family was in her room, they, they found her, they moved her bed and, uh, and the gloves fell out onto the floor. And Daryl knew immediately that she had kept those gloves there as a reminder To not ever pass up an opportunity to help somebody else whenever you have a chance to do so. Now what we do at Wiley High School is once a year and we've already done it this year, is we have our kids wear one glove to school and we have them cut the fingers out of them and we walk around that way and people during the day will ask why are you wearing one glove to school and we get to tell this story and it gets to and it has an impact on our campus as we get to tell them we try our best not to miss an opportunity to help other people in their needs. So that's just one of the many stories that are associated with Rachel. I could, I could take up this whole podcast, but I, that's the one you want me to share, and that's it's a tremendous story.
0: Well, so much of what we do is about math, science, history, and this opportunity we can have when we make a school a better place with David Ship and helping kids out that might be disengaged or helping kids understand that caring about other people in that moment when you don't feel like it, it makes us better people. And you know what? That's sort of what we're trying to do. Board members and parents is about getting that. And that's what, as a parent, you want as a board member, you're trying to achieve uh, is that, um, Daryl, you want to add anything to that parents? Do you want to uh, add anything to that?
4: Yeah, we, we would not have known that story except that Rachel wrote a, a two page article that she left with the gloves, And it was called, uh, um, uh, gloves of conviction. And that's how we knew the story. And, uh, uh, those gloves hung in a museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for several years as a part of a display on Rachel's life. And it was dedicated to the children of the world. And uh, those, those tattered gloves were a part of the display that people would see as they came into that museum.
0: Well, we, uh, me and the board members, uh, you know, Barbara and Heather have girls about the same age and just seems extra special.
1: Um, Mr. Williams, we um, know that all of our campuses have different organizations that kind of are the student-led organizations where they get to do things. One of your big um, groups is called Raiders in Service at East. Can you tell us about what it is, how it engages the kids at Wiley East High School?
3: Yes, Amanda. Um, it's been seven or eight years ago we started Raiders in Service. Um I had worked at Lake Travis High School. Was a basketball coach and teacher there, and we had something we called Cavs in Service, and uh, we 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 really believe that service learning is very important for our students, and uh, it's it's you know so what we do is with Raiders in Service, um, we just put it out there that uh, if they will, um, if if students will. volunteer for community service mm-hmm. in, in whatever area. And we have a couple of ladies that are on campus that are in charge of it. And they sign they, they submit their, their community service hours. This is over and above what they might be doing for National Honor Society or for Interact Club or Leo Club, you know, one of the, because a lot of those organizations require service learning as well. Uh, and what we do is, is when they reach their, the number of hours that they are required to, to get, they will earn a cord for graduation, you know, and so basically, you know, uh, most kids get cords because of academics, mm-hmm. so they get cords because, you know, something of that sort, but this gives a kid an opportunity, even if they might not be a great student, but to, to earn an opportunity to have a, a service cord that shows that they've They committed themselves to get involved in the community in which they live in. You know, last year, for example, we had uh, well over a 1,000 hours um, of of students, and over the last probably seven or eight years, there's been, you know, 10,000 hours or so that's been uh, dedicated to community service just through this organization, where they've done such things as... uh, Uh, work in soup kitchens or work at Christian Care Center or work in churches help out at you know many areas in our community Uh, and you know my whole purpose when when we brought this in a number of years ago was to give our students an opportunity that might not be the the, the best academic student an opportunity to earn some type of recognition because my belief is that if you're involved in community learning, if you're involved in community service, you're going to have a greater appreciation of your community or you're going to care about others, um, than, much more so than if you're not getting involved in something like that. Yeah. So Raiders and Service has played a, a, a significant impact on a number of lives uh, over the last seven, eight years that we've had that on, on the Wiley East campus.
1: Well, we are grateful that you brought that.
0: So we're talking about that ability for kids to be engaged. And, you know, we all want that, you know, uh, guys for our daughters, we want that to be a big central part of their learning environment at the high school. Verdi, when you have kids that are disengaged at school, how do you help them? And Daryl, you know, you could follow up with the same because I know stuff has changed probably since Columbine with the work that you've done. So what do you think there, uh, Verdi?
5: we have uh, 2400 plus kids in the building you'd like to touch each one's heart but uh teachers do report to me certain kids that they're not performing to the level they're they're gonna have i have one that it, just a few weeks ago is a national merit scholar and he's not doing work in class where so they're going really uh, anyway but my approach is always this is i uh i call him in. I, I think the one-on-one approach is the best and i wish you'd get to all of them but you just can't but there's just not time but i got him in and my normal process is this. I want to hear his story. I ask him questions. They First off, when they get called the principal's office, they always think they're in trouble for a minute. And I set him at ease, and I sit down by him instead of on the other side of the desk so it becomes more personal. And I get him to tell me his story. Tell me his story. Where'd you grow up? What'd you do? And, uh, and I, I, while I'm doing, I'm listening to what he's having to say, so I'm going to try to, uh, try to key in on some of the points that are important to him. But eventually I get to the point where I ask him what he cares about. And some kids are ready right off. Or who do you love? Who is the person you love the most? And most of them go straight to mom and dad. So if they're not being engaged, and I always play on that part of it. I will always ask them. So you, you, are you really telling me you love your mom and dad? Yeah, yeah, I love my mom. I love her. She, she does all the things. I said, well, your actions aren't showing it right now because your mom wants you to walk across that stage and your mom wants you to excel in the classroom. And if, you're, if you really, really do care about it, your actions are going to back that up. But if you really cared about your parents, and you're going to do these types of things. And it puts it in a light where they can understand what it is, and they go and give effort. A lot of times it comes and goes, but the, but, but they know where we're going when they come back in there. But I just think that's a, an important thing to listen to what they have to say and then play off what they do and, and find a play. You have to find that spot they really care about, and then you play on that to get them to do what you want them to do.
0: That's huge. And, you know, Daryl, when you look at that, that's a lot of what Rachel tried to do, right? I mean, can you give an example about when Rachel did the very same thing?
4: Well, you know, she she had reached out to, to uh, Eric and Dylan and gently reprimanded them because she saw them practicing uh, with fake guns in the school. Uh, they said it was gonna be a class video project. And uh, Dylan kind of had a crush on her and, and had actually helped her a short time before she was killed as she did a skit in the school. Well, one of the things we've done uh, First of all, I, I was in the White House a couple of days ago with the president and the vice president and a small group of people, and I wanted to tell them, I just didn't have the, they gave me just a few minutes to talk, but I wanted to tell them if every principal in America could be like Bertie Montgomery, and I would add Mike's name to that as well, if, if every principal in this country took the time to do what you two guys do, uh, we wouldn't have a problem. And. One of the programs that I wanted to talk about for just a moment is one a, a fairly new program that we've created. We've written a book called 180 Connections. Uh, my son, Mike, and I wrote it. Dr. Marzano wrote the foreword for it. And uh, it's uh, as I observed classrooms around the country in thousands of schools, I saw the disconnect between the teacher and the students. And I read somewhere uh, that some research had been done that showed that if a teacher but simply with an appropriate touch on the shoulder, a high five, a handshake, uh, with an appropriate touch, would smile, look a student in the eye, and call them by their first name. That simple exercise, if they did that every day, enhances the ability of the child by 27% academically. And so I took that to heart, and we created a program called 180 Connections. The reason it's called that is because there's 180 school days in in the year. And uh, we created something for every single day in every single classroom. And it only takes two to three minutes, but we tell teachers, if you'll do this, it'll eliminate 10 minutes of disciplinary problems in the classroom. And it begins with them standing in the doorway of the classroom, and they do a simple smile. They call each student by their first name as they walk in, how you doing, Joe? And then an appropriate touch. And we have them to ask the child, what, what would you like, a handshake, a high five, a fist bump, or a pat on the shoulder? Because every single day when you walk to my class, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna reach out to you and, uh, and we're, gonna, we're gonna have a good day. And so that simple exercise of a smile, calling them by their first name and appropriate touch, sets the stage. The second part of that is when they get into the classroom, It's it's, uh, three words that begin with the letter I. It's information, illustration, and interaction. And I illustrate this. I'm going to be in Phoenix on Monday teaching uh, the statewide counselors group uh, how to put this into practice in their schools. The information part is very simple. It's a tidbit about the teacher and his or her life. So I'll ask teachers, how many of you had a favorite teacher? Everybody raises their hand. Then I'll say, how many of you know your teacher's spouse or partner's name about three people in the room would raise their hand out of a thousand and then I'll say how many of you knew your teacher's uh, dog's name and there may be one hand that goes up and I'll always say that was your mom right because nobody knows That's their funny. Teacher's dog's name <laughs> no. and then I'll then I ask them how many of you know uh what your teacher's favorite vacation was favorite dessert uh where they like to go to the movies uh, what's the darkest day of their of their life? What's the brightest day of their life? So what we did is we put in simple bits of information every single day from the teachers to students. So let me give you a quick example. Information. Let's pretend all of you are 12 years old. Hi class, my name is Mr. Scott and I'm going to be your teacher for this year. And uh, you know when I was your age, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be uh, floating around the moon or out in space near Mars but I found out that I got motion sickness really easy. So instead of puking my guts out out there by the moon, I'm so glad I'm right here in your classroom. I'm gonna be your teacher this year. Now what and, and as I'm telling them that, I show an illustration. On the screen is a picture of me when I was their age. So they immediately get to relate to a 12 year old Daryl Scott instead of a 68 year old. And then the third part is interaction. And I say to them, now break down into groups of two or three, I'm sorry, three or four, no more than four, and we're going to do this every single day. For the next two minutes, I want you to greet each other by first name and talk about what you want to be when you're an old person like me. Go. Wow. And I time it to you two minutes. Down. Every single day, there's a tidbit from my life that transforms into interaction with them, with each other. So I, for example, may say on the second day, Uh, This is a picture of my wife, Sandy. She's my best friend and my wife. We like to play golf together. Uh, Now, what I want you guys to do is break down into groups of three or four. Now, at 12 years old, you probably aren't married yet, but you do have a best friend. So I want you to share Mm -hmm. with each other about your best friend. So you can see how that pattern goes. We have 180 of those connective information pieces in which they can interact. At the end of the school year, those students are going to know 180 things about their teacher that other teachers would never reveal to their students. Not only that, but they will have interacted with every other student in that class at least 20 to 30 times because every day that's the teacher has the group to be different. So that's a little piece of tidbit that you guys could add to all the other good stuff you do.
0: Well, and you know, we call that the Wiley way uh, in our school district and you know, mom's, you know, again, we have all of these things that are maybe not as that comp- that comprehensive, but you could probably tell stories about your own situations with your own kiddos that do the very same thing. You wanna to describe to Daryl what we do and how that works with us?
2: You know. Here in Wiley ISD, Dr. Vincent mentioned that yes, we teach our kids algebra and we teach them biology and we teach them English, but we also want to teach them to be students of good character. And that's something that's extremely important to us. And so our concept with the Wiley Way program is um, just letting kids know that they have hope, um, which, you know, they they have this hope in the sense that tomorrow will be better than today and they have a positive well-being, and, um, you know, for me specifically, I gave birth to four children that are in this district. But every one of us sitting right here have sixteen thousand kids. Right. We have it, and sometimes that can um, be a little overwhelming. But it's also such a huge blessing. And being a school district, yes, we want our children to learn and to go into the world being um, prepared for a life beyond high school. That's actually one of our board goals. And yeah. um, to raise kids that have a successful life beyond high school, but. We want them to be good kids, people that are turned into good citizens. And um, that's something that's very important to us here in Wiley.
0: And it starts with teacher relationships. And I will never forget, and it's so funny because you're talking about hope. Last year, we, Darrell, we had all kids in grades 5 through 12 measure their hope during what we call the Wiley Way Days, where we stop everything. And so I was all excited about it. And Barbara stopped by for something, to pick up something from a board packet or whatever. And you probably remember this, Barbara. But and so I said, (laughs) Hey, we measured every kid's hope. And they and I said and she goes, Oh, well that's fantastic. What are you gonna do with it? And I went, Well (laughs) I didn't have a plan.
6: Which was really surprising because usually Dr. Vincent does have a plan. Usually he's like, okay, we're going to connect kids this way. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, talk to the teachers and we're going to build relationships and we're going to, and so I was kind of surprised, but you know, he took that and he kind of ran with that and worked with Amanda. And that was really important because we do have a high priority on making sure that every kid feels like they have an adult that cares about them at our schools. And so i love how you took that moment and you you just ran with it and um we've done so much in the last year and and you guys are always improving on the Wiley way and you're always doing more and engaging kids more and um, trying to make sure we don't lose any kids in the cracks you know that that those who who might not have hope that we can identify them and figure out how to give them hope
0: well you know ava kate ashley you know when we talk about our own kids and what we're doing with them we just want to make sure that we just fill them full of it because it is going to be something that we don't know and amanda there are situations where kids have low hope now and thank you the barbara goss rule that i have is what 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 do we do the next year
1: one of the things is we wanted to be sure that we could actually tell if the kids had low hope so or high hope even you know and brag on them and so after the kids take their hope survey which is like a research-based, from a Hope Researcher survey, Um, the kids um, can actually put it in their Achievement Profile app. And that was really important to Dr. Benson because while we have our Wiley Way days and the kids can write the things in their booklet, we know at the end of the day, unless the mom or dad saves the booklet, it's probably going into a trash can. So we wanted to be able to track it with our Achievement Profile app. So the kids, um, at any point, can go in and take their Hope score, and it will will, um, save it with their date and the grade and what their score is and our um, technology team in our district we're really blessed with because they are really smart and um, made it to where the counselors and the Administrators on the campus can see every single kid on the campus. They can see their hope scores, their happiness scores, their strengths, um, anything about the kid, who's important to them, what matters the most, their future career, a lot of some of the um, connections that Mr. Scott was referring to. And so the next step is to make sure the teachers can get that. And so Dr. Vincent's biggest thing is although we as a district have a lot of these um, things in place, we want the parents to be involved. We want the parents to go log in with their student and look at their app um, because we truly believe that as a district we can do a lot, but we want the family to be the center of it.
0: So the thing is that hope report you get as a Wiley High School or a Wiley East High School now goes to the counselors. The counselors can then mark those kids and say, hey, you failed out. You feel bad. What's going on? And that is a great way, uh, Daryl, for us to be able to capture those kids who might not have those positive relationships and in turn, get them the help that they need, the relationships that are gonna make them grow and promote that kindness, caring and love that we all want. So that's an important part of it.
4: You know, we're we're only in school for uh, one or two or three days at the most a year. Uh, I wish we could be there all throughout the year. Dr. Marzano and I, are working on a series of schools. They're called pilot schools around the country where uh, we take everything that we have and we pour into those schools. Uh, our first one is in Las Vegas. Uh, we have some more that are opening up. But uh, we could learn so much from you guys. Dr. Benson, I just applaud you for having put what, you, uh, what you've what allowed your principals and your teachers to do. I wish every superintendent in America could do that. I meet with some of well. the. Some of the largest districts in the country and I just shake my head because the superintendents are so involved in the academic parts alone instead of understanding the needs of the whole child so I applaud you for that
0: well then I have a school board that supports it and a community that loves it and that is the, the deal but you can do zero without great principles and it won't matter I could ask all day long but these folks are the the, the magic that makes it happen and it's amazing
4: Well, I believe that
1: one of the things that was important to Dr. Vincent with the support of our school board was to actually measure relationships, which was when he first brought that up, I was, Terrified. I was like, I don't know how to measure a relationship very well.
0: It's hard for any of us.
1: Exactly. And so we, but we're like, okay, well, we're, we got to figure it out. How can we track it? And so we have um, three times during our school year for our fifth through 12th graders, there's three relationship surveys that go out. The first one at the beginning of the year is really who's your favorite teacher and why. And then we collect all those papers and then we send them to the actual teachers that they wrote about. Um, just for a pat on the back, because you might have a senior that That might be talking about their first grade teacher who loved them and cared about them, and we want them to get that feedback.
0: Daryl, you cannot imagine when you go to Smith Elementary and a teacher gets this big stack of great notes from a senior, a junior, a freshman, an eighth grader or a fifth grader that says, I love you. I got one from a mentor kid that I had, and and, and I just, I'm, I'm balling like a baby because I'm so appreciative that <laughs> someone realized that connection. And you know what? It's a great reminder and that, that these relationships do matter.
1: Our second survey is halfway through the year where we ask the kids, um, do you have a positive relationship with somebody on your campus? Yes or no? Who is it? And then if not, who would you like it to be? And then that's kind of collected on the campuses, and they can actually filter it go through them all and see which kid has said, no, I don't have anybody at this point. And so that's those are the kids they kind of look for on that survey.
0: You know what's really amazing about that survey too is, is that um, we have, I'll give Aaron as an example of a guy that was working at the cafeteria at Draper Intermediate. And uh, when we first started doing the survey, we had about 60% of the kids at Draper that felt like they had a positive relationship. Now it's like 99%. But Aaron, the guy in the cafeteria that wasn't a teacher was the one who had the most stacks of uh, notes in, in the box. Isn't it amazing what anybody can do? Judy, which is his mom at Wild East High School, that worked in the cafeteria or worked in, in maintenance, uh, was probably the second most. In fact, when a, a Daryl, when a kid was valedictorian last year or valedictorian, uh, he stopped the whole uh, um, presentation and and gave Judy uh, a bouquet of flowers because oh, wow. she made a
4: difference. Uh, does, do you guys have a manual on all this? <laughs> We'd like to and everybody
0: asks this. But, you know, the thing is, is that we don't want to be famous. We just want to be effective. And caring for our babies is a full time job. So it's hard. So, Amanda, there's one more thing. And I think, Daryl, you'll love this.
1: So at the end of the year, um, we ask every student to take a digital survey about their teacher. So in every classroom that they go into that whole day, um, they will answer two questions about their teacher. So it'll be like, does Mrs. Martin care about me? Yes or no? and they say yes or no, and then what about Ms. Martin's actions lead you to feel that way. And then that's a text box where they can actually just type in what is going on in the classroom. And that feedback goes directly to the teachers and their administrators so they can get real time um, teenage language, <laughs> basically, oh, <yeah. laughs> of um, how they make them feel. And so I mean I think that we're not ever looking for 100% of every kid, but it was shocking to us and we we feel like our teachers are awesome, but it was still shocking about how many teachers were so loved and cared for by their kids because that's how they're making their kids feel.
0: And sometimes it's that reminder because you feel like you're getting that one or two kids group that says, you know, you did, I don't like you and you don't like this. And you forget the 90% that really, really think that they were doing a great job. And sometimes we're parent and sometimes you have to make tough decisions with kids that they don't necessarily like, but it's all for their good as long as they're building the relationship. Um, okay. So now, Daryl, here's the thing. You just got back from the White House and I know that you are just super tired and we're going to start talking to our high school principals about some tactical things about really how to keep safety and security at the top priority of our of our list um we want to thank you for being here and uh would you like to share with us any last thoughts that you have before we get into these questions and and we'll let you go and go back to sleep much from being here getting in late last night so is there anything that you'd like to share with us before we before we uh, uh let you go
4: i just want to share my appreciation for what your school district is doing and i mean that sincerely i have uh I don't know uh, Mike as well as I know Verdi, but over the years, uh, I, it sounds to me like Mike and Verdi are two peas in a pod. So when I say Verdi, oh, Mike, you are. you're included. But I have lauded Verdi uh, as the principal in America that I most admire, and uh, we we sincerely we may send someone down there to your district and and learn all of your best practices because Marzano and I want to incorporate everything we've got into. The pilot schools that we're working with. And he also agrees with me that the principal is the key. The principal's not on board. We've seen this over 19 years in 20,000 schools we've been in. Uh, the principal makes all the difference in the world. And you got, and, and you now have, a, you also have a superintendent that's, uh, that's on board fully. So I just want to thank you. I don't have, I don't know that I could teach you guys anything. Uh, I, will, I will make one remark that I've observed over the years. I don't like the word tolerance. I think in education we use the wrong words. Uh, Tolerance is not something I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be appreciated, I want to be accepted, I want to be loved. And there's a big difference between acceptance and agreement. I accept all of my children all the time. I don't agree with them all the time. Uh, There's a difference between acceptance and approval. I don't approve of everyone I accept. I don't approve of everything they do. I have friends that are liberal, I have friends that are conservative, and I get along with both of them because I accept them as people, and uh, I may not agree with their viewpoint, but I accept them as a person. The other thing I want to mention is that there's uh, there's a growing movement called mindfulness. I think there's some very positive elements in mindfulness. Dr. Marzano and I, in two of the books we wrote, we address that issue, but we call it awareness. I think mindfulness is the wrong word because we don't want I agree the, with that. we don't want kids to have their minds full of stuff when they're trying to get centered. But if they're aware of themselves and others uh, and can have those quiet times, it does settle them down and eliminates a lot of disciplinary problems as well. And other than that, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this today.
0: Thank you for sharing Rachel's story. Thank you for being the person that you are. Thank you for sharing our feelings that I feel like we collectively have together to the president uh, and his cabinet, because it's essential. And, uh, the school is the key education and loving these babies is the key. Uh, and we're going to do it the Wiley way. And uh, I know a lot of that is based on what you've done. So thank you very much.
4: Thank you guys.
0: Okay. So now, now, uh, principals and, uh, Parents, it is our time. We're gonna start talking a little bit about now your questions. Uh, here's the great news. We have a lot of really good questions that uh, our moms have, have talked about. And it really is cool because it's also policy driven because they're also the policy drivers and makers in our school district. So uh, Heather, Barbara, let's go.
6: Um, yeah, Amanda, I have a question. What do we as a district do to help a child when we identify them as a child in crisis?
1: Well, we currently have counselors on every campus. And so we take a lot of their feedback when I meet with them every month and kind of figure out, okay, what's going on. The best thing that happens at our campus right now is that if a student is in crisis, their counselors know and their counselors are partnered with their administrative staff because it kind of takes a whole team effort on this. And so because of that good communication, that is where we're catching a lot of these kids that really, really need something extra. And because um, principals and you as board members and parents have been in support of this. Dr. Benson is absolutely on board with that and then he has allowed us to hire for next year what would be essentially a crisis counselor at each of the high schools. So we're going to be calling them student support advocates because um, we want the kids to feel supported on their campuses and um, really you know, have somebody there that could help them with the training to process something through the school district or during their school day. Um, we don't want to take the place of their mental health professional outside of school, but we—I mean, everybody in this room knows that they're—they're they're at our campuses. We are trying to educate them in the best way possible, and, and having them feel safe and secure is is of utmost priority.
0: Guys, and this—this this was born from. I was at a I think some one of y'all were with, at an award ceremony with me like at nine o'clock at night and Mr. Williams calls and says I've got a kid in need and uh, I'm worried about him and I've called the parents twice and we were talking to the assistant principals and we we're talking to the counselors and well I want to make sure that the kid's safe and I want to make sure the parents feel okay and the parents want the kid to come to school because they said what the kid the school is, they feel as the
3: school's a safe place for the, for the student they like being at school.
0: I mean, think about that, y'all. I mean, in most situations, school is that place they don't want to be. And I thought, and and Mike's desperation as far as loving this baby so much, it made me think, what can we do? How can we support that? And and Verdi could tell you 15 more stories about the very same thing, right, Verdi? I mean, about how how we need to get this help to these kids. And you don't want to call them, because nobody wants to go to a crisis counselor, but they really like somebody who's going to support them, right?
1: Absolutely. And I mean there are other students um who need support before they get to the crisis we're trying to be a preventative measure not just a band-aid on something that's already happening and so i um i know that our counseling staff is super excited to have another support system um and we're we're grateful that y'all are making that happen
5: and i think mike will validate this too our kids don't want to go home they'll they're there before we start and they're you go up there at seven eight o'clock at night they're playing ping pong or just sitting around visiting fellowship and we we've created atmosphere where we think it's family and you know y'all both do
0: that and it's so amazing because again i wish our kids would go home every once in a while i mean my own kids i told christy (laughs) You know, I mean, because and, and our, my daughter came home last night uh, and downstairs and said, I don't have a tennis match. And, I, you know, and it was she wanted to be a part of something special. And, and you guys create that environment.
2: Dr. Vincent, something that I would like to talk about is something that we have actually been working on for a few years now. And I think it's an appropriate time to discuss this issue with everyone that's listening because of everything that's in the news right now and how um, after a crisis, we talk a lot about students with um, mental health issues and severe emotional needs. Um, Our board and our district administration and our local and state um, representatives have been working on plans for really a few years now about creating something that would help with this. Would you mind telling our listeners?
0: No, it's it's something that's been about a two-year process, and uh, we've got basically every school district in Collin County on board. And what we want to do is take the seven, eight, nine kids that are those really, really extreme cases and provide them therapeutic support on an ongoing basis, not about two or three days in a situation where they're going to some sort of treatment facility for these emotional disorders, but a 90-day placement that would be truly hospital focused and children's medical, all these different organizations have come and said, we would love to help. We've actually got the plans in place. We've designed a few facilities. We've got the, the superintendents. We've had a few superintendent changes in Collin County. And so it's been hard to get it completely off the ground, but our hope would be that 50 or 60 kids in Collin County that really need our support. Cause it's not a hundred, even a hundred kids like that in grades K through 12 that need the support, because you know what research says, these kids that were do these damages and and, and these horrific acts, if you can get them while they're young, before 14, 15 years old, you have a 75% chance of recovery. And you don't do that by just simply medicating a kid and sending them home in two days. It's gonna take therapeutic benefit to get there. Right now, it costs about $150,000 per child to enroll them in one of these facilities. And in Collin County, there's not. There's a waiting list so long you can't get the most extreme needs in the facility, so we're hoping to create a day school that would that provide that benefit. Uh, principals, I mean, y'all see the need too, right? I mean, when you, when you look at that, I mean, that's
3: definitely. There's, you know, in each campus, I would think Verdi would agree that we can think about our counseling and staff and assistant principals. We can think about three to four kids that have some some definite concerns. That's uh, Either hurting themselves or hurting someone else, or um, which preventing them, which is preventing them from being successful academically,
0: or even being able to come to school. because oh, even, we have to make exactly. sure that they're in a safe environment, exactly. or they can't come here.
3: Exactly yeah. from yes, yeah, from not even coming to school because yeah. they're it's it's creating that much havoc in their life.
5: There's no question. You've, you've hit it all. We we know the kids. We know who they are, and and we'd love to be able to support them any way we can.
6: I've seen teachers across the nation on um, social media, in the last uh, you know week or so, um, talking about how they run scenarios in their heads and what they would do if there's an active shooter on their campus. This makes my heart hurt as a parent and as a board member because you know I love our teachers and I know that they have so much on their plates already, you know, and they're trying to engage with these kids and they're trying to teach these kids. Um, what can we as parents and community members do to help keep our kids keep our schools safe and let our educators know that they're supported
0: well um you know thanks for asking that question and it is so important that our our, we that our parents know and that our community knows we are so far ahead of the game than most school districts and uh, rather than me answer that i'm going to ask ian uh, to kind of give us some insight about what we do ian in from the steps where we have been seven years ago to where we are now, which is awesome.
7: Yes, sir, thank you. Um, you know, and I think first and foremost, the things that we've talked about already in this podcast about reaching kids where they are, um, trying to reach all kids, make them feel loved and connected. When you look at the history of these school shootings, There were signs. And so everything we can do on that end um, to minimize the threat is what we're going to continue to focus on. And also that, you know, all of us have kids in the schools. We've talked about that. Um, So when we talk about safety, it's an extremely personal issue for all of us beyond just as administrators and board members, you know, one of the things that we do is, is we continually review our safety plan and procedures. We're never gonna be safe enough. It's not something we're ever gonna be done with. Um, and, and we wanna to talk to parents about safety and we wanna hear their input. Um, Dr. Vince and I talked immediately after Florida and our safety committee met. And we wanna make sure that we find solutions that are sustainable, and that are practical. There's lots of ideas out there and certainly we want to hear from them and if there's some best practices that we're missing, um, then, then we're going to look at those. We want Wally to be safe. But we have implemented several things in the last couple of years as Dr. Vincent mentioned. Um, we have a Tips 1-1 service that our PTA pays for that's available through the app or on our website or you can text. If a kid sees something, even if it's a friend who's struggling, a peer that's in trouble, they're having trouble with their home life, it's an anonymous tip that goes to crime prevention as well as our administrators and so we can follow with those one-on-one, and, and I've talked to our principals, and yeah, we get some that are not not true tips. Um, but but if we can save one kid, then then it's worth it. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's really not for I don't like the dress code, or you know, <laughs> we get a
0: lot of parent kids feel very very welcome, and they feel like they're heard because we get a lot of advice,
7: and, and that's good. I mean, we want them to feel because like I said, if, if one of them comes in that 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 is intervention that that saves somebody, then then it's totally worth it. Uh, you know, we have a great partnership with our police department. Um, we have SROs our secondary camp that are police officers, and they're more than just law enforcement. Um, They run clubs, they sponsor groups, they're more like counselors and advisors. Uh, They're involved with them, they come to sporting events, they come to uh, activities. They're there more as as a counselor and a friend. Obviously, if something bad were to happen, they are trained law enforcement with the appropriate tools and training to respond. They're part of our drill process. One of the improvements we made several years ago was involving our first responders in our drills so the police know what we're doing on campus and how to respond and how we're gonna respond. And then several years ago, thanks to the board and and the bond money, uh, we upgraded our radio program, our radios. We had some great communication tools, but a lot of them required power or being at a desk. Now we've got a two-way radio system that is really unique across Texas and maybe even in the country where our teachers and administrators and nurses have a radio that's the same channel as the police as the police channels. So our SROs carry one radio. If you're on a campus and have trouble and you call, the police are hearing it, the dispatch center is hearing it. There's no delay, they're immediate contact. Then beyond that, uh, and you may see a little bit about this coming up in the news because um, after Florida, the governor has kind of weighed in a little bit. Um, the, the state of Texas has a school safety center, and it's part of um, Texas State University, and they're the ones that provide us with all the guidance and tools and oversight when it comes to training. They have a very specific protocol that we need to follow. Um, they require us to have an audit every three years, and as board members, if you remember uh, back in the, in the fall, I presented our safety findings to you, and, and they, were, they were very good, I'm proud to say. it takes the work of several departments, maintenance, risk management, communications, and our principals, and it's very comprehensive. Probably right, can 300... I stop you there yes, and sir. ask you a real quick uh, clarification?
0: When we say that we presented it to them, how do we present it to them, and why do we present it to them in the way that we presented it to them?
7: So that is done in executive session. Um, some of the findings are things we need to improve on. Is that, is that what you're... No, basically, I wanted to make sure that
0: sometimes, <laughs> yes, but I want to make sure that when we look at what we do, that you know there are certain things that you wouldn't want an assailant to know Absolutely. about how you're keeping kids safe.
7: Absolutely. 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 And and it's tough for us because we want to tell our parents everything that we're doing so they feel safe. The reality of it is, you know, if there are vulnerable points, even with airports or any other facility, um, we do have to keep some of that secret. Um, And it's not that, that it's we just want to make sure we're not putting an additional threat out there. Um, but, but we did present those findings. And when we look back six years ago when we did it, we identified things like radios, uh, security cameras. Dr. Vince has been very good about making sure we have a security system, cameras that are in the right places, um, seeing areas of are trouble. We work with our principals and ask them okay, what are some areas where problems might arise? Let's make sure we've got camera coverage. And again, it, it's more about being a deterrent. If kids know that they're being watched, hopefully they're going to be able to act right. Um, Again, that audit is presented to the state by law, and so we we completed it. Um, We're on their good list. And then finally, the last thing is we have to have a comprehensive emergency plan, but it's really kind of – technical we want to make sure that our teachers understood if we have a lockdown if we have an intruder on campus if we have a fire drill severe weather any threat that might be out there how they're supposed to respond so we created a very comprehensive but also concise emergency preparedness guide and everyone every classroom has one of those in there uh, the administrators have an app so if they're walking around the school and something happens they can immediately call that app up and that tells them how to respond what to do with their kids where to go and then what we're gonna do on the district side so again very comprehensive stuff uh, um, stuff that we, we review all the time. And while obviously you know these tragedies are terrible, our, our goal and our responsibility is to learn from them and see how we can do, what we can do while the ISD to, to, to make our kids safe.
0: So one of the things I want to take away is we just won this Texas's best app for a, a school district. So congratulations on doing that. Thank that you. keeps our parents informed, y'all. It's one of the things you want us to make sure that we do as a board is to communicate with our parents and our community. One thing that a parent can do is make sure they log on and make sure they're registered to use our app because that's going to get really quick access. Barbara asked me this question a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. How fast does a police officer get to a campus? It's under two minutes. Two minutes. We have invested and increased the number of uh, student resource officers in our school district. And our school district resource officers love these principals. They love our kids and their family to us and we love and protect them the very same way and they're going to get to the campus as quickly and make as big a difference as they can sometimes parents and i'm going to apologize for two things number one the shock and awe you see if there's ever like we had a couple of years ago where you know there was a, a somebody that got loose a, 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 a
7: they were so, serving a warrant in the, I think, in the trailer park behind Dodd. If that's yeah, and,
0: uh, yeah, and, and uh, I know actually it was behind Groves. 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 And yeah. uh, it got locked down, and we were trying to communicate to our parents, but they were worried. But we we really sh- kind of showed the flag, as they say, to make sure that they're safe. We had another situation where there was somebody around um, Burnett. And um, we our first priority is to make sure the school's safe. And then the second thing is to make sure you're communicated to let you know your kid's safe. We try to do those as fast as we can. We're actually meeting about that to how to improve it, but realize those are really, really important features. The other element, and a mama came to see me yesterday and said, David, how can I help my little baby who is in elementary school when y'all have your lockdown drills? Because it scares them. And so we're gonna work with counselors and do those things so that they know that they're gonna be safe and we're just doing it here to protect people because surrounded by you, as Mr. Rogers says, are helpers. These kids, these teachers love you and they're going to protect you like mama, but we need to make sure that we keep doing these drills. And Ian is being a little bit bashful about what he does, but at the end of the day, our lockdown drills are so realistic and so comprehensive and so above what most school districts do that really, we are so prepared for the next tomorrow, anything to come. And and it's not going to because we focus on relationship, but our internal and external threats are vastly, vastly reduced because we take care of. And, and a lot of it's what I what and our student resources do with these high school principals.
2: Dr. Vincent. life is busy. You know that better than anyone here at this table. Parents are busy, very few families sit down together at the dinner table anymore. You're grabbing drive-through on the way to the tennis match or on the way to the soccer game. Um, what are some practical applications that parents can utilize to stay connected with their children and what's going on in their lives. Um, And I also would like to follow up with, what are some ways if parents have a question about how they can get their kids involved in school, or maybe they have a kid that's struggling, um, who do they contact?
0: That's a great question. I'm gonna ask the high school principals to jump in here and help me because in my mind, I don't know, when you all see issues or or trouble at school, It's it's, a lot of the time it's because the the parents are the last people to know. And I think the first step is, is talking to your kids. And I know sometimes I have two high school kids at my house and I was asking them to give me more than one sentence answers about stuff and it was acting like I was making them run a mile. But they do it, and it's good, but it takes that. And you know, walking into the rooms, understanding those things, you know Daryl would tell you, you know how much investigation went, and that maybe y'all could help me out with this. How much did the parents of the Columbine shooters know about what was going on?
5: Well, Daryl will tell you that uh, the day it happened that he, he was driving down the road and listening to the account on the radio, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and nobody was answering calls of places he knew to call. So a red flag was in his head from, from Jump Go, but they, they were doing nothing but posting uh, names on a sheet of paper, and he couldn't, get to the, he couldn't even get up there where the sheet of paper was. And he, had, he went home that evening and was sitting at his house at 8, 9 o'clock at night and still didn't know if his daughter or son were okay. His son had made it home, but he didn't know where his daughter was, and they had checked hospitals and everything. They had no system in place for that at all.
0: Well, and the thing is, sometimes it's Uh two or three more minutes before we tell y'all, and we're sorry about that, but we want to make sure that they're there. The question I would ask is, how do you help parents better understand their own children to make sure that that might not be a situation where they feel desperate?
3: Well, you know, Dr. Vinson, we talk about relationships that we need to build as as educators with our students, you know, uh, the things that we do. But also I think it's very important that just because that student, and I'm talking about high school kids, uh, I've always believed that you need to, as a parent, you need to have a better relationship with your student as a high school student than what you probably did with an elementary student.
0: Isn't that hard, but it's
1: true. Yes. You know,
3: um, yes. You know the old You know, family that eats together stays together. I mean, it's sitting down and, and being together and spending time together, knowing what they're doing. Um, and uh, some, you know, I'll tell parents when they come to my office, when there's a, a challenge that I'm having to address with a parent that, um, you know, you're the parent. You know, sometimes they struggle with that, uh, that challenge that they're faced with, especially if it's the first student that they have as a high school student, you know. Uh, and um, um, sometimes it's the choices and decisions that the student makes. And, uh, um, and sometimes there are unfortunately some consequences that the student has to suffer but we still have to be the adult and the parent in the situation
0: we had a situation yesterday you know that that happened and, and we had some some problems and a parent came in and said my kid's wrong i'm going to take care of this and you know Wiley parents i love you I do, and I appreciate you so much that you take responsibility for your children. That's why our school district is great, because you're great. So that's really important. Verdi, Mike, tell me how we can make sure that if a kid's not engaged, how do we get them engaged?
5: Well, I wanted to piggyback on something Mike said before I hit that, but that our, I'm really impressed with what our coaches and sponsors do. They have these remind me apps and things like that. Even oh, my gosh. We're a click away from anything, whether it's Twitter, uh, Facebook, everything you know, right. and I get it inundated with it myself. I can't even imagine what a coach is. Even just like bad weather, they can get it out there. But I just think the, the engagement thing is paying attention. Now, our teachers, uh, they, they come to us regularly and tell us, this kid's got this issue or something like that, and just walking around. I've got one kid right now that sits in a hallway every day during lunch by himself. And uh, I make a point to go there as many days as I can get over just to say hi to him because I've asked him, do you not want to sit with anybody? No, I'm fine right here because he, the first couple of weeks of school, they were wearing him out because that's kind of what we do there. We don't let kids sit alone. <laughs> and, uh,
6: Nobody eats alone.
5: So, but, but he wanted his space. But what bothers me about him is he, where he sits is obvious that he's by himself. So it makes me think he's crying out to, hey, come by, somebody come and talk to me. So I do that as often as I can, nearly almost every day. And I'll just point at him and say, "But are you okay? But we do get we get information from teachers. We get information from other kids telling us that this kid's not involved and uh, try to find a spot for him to do. And most of the time uh, when you talk to that kid that's not engaged, it's, it, there, there's a family situation there that, that causes him not to. I've got one kid right now who wants to do things, but his parents won't let him because he feel he needs to be at home. It's hard to address that way, but but now he's on my radar, and he's somebody you you, put, you look for in the hallway just to say hi to.
3: You know, Dr. Benson, parents can't do it by themselves. We can't do it by ourselves. It's a partnership that has to take place between the two of us so that our kids can be successful and overcome the challenges of the world that we live in. Uh, being in the hallways with kids, shaking hands and, and high-fiving them and knowing their names, uh, what college they are going to attend, what... What was the event that they were involved in last night? How did it, how was the outcome? All of those things are important to try to make that, to to get across to that student, to let them know that, that they're special, that they're important. That's awesome. You know, just like this morning, I saw Barbara's daughter, um, in the hallway. Um, hey, Ashley, how are you doing today? You know what's going on. Well, the one act play, she's at, actively involved in that. You know, uh, not because it's Barbara's daughter. I get really aggravated at myself if I don't know everybody's kids, every every student's name. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know who they are and I want to know something about them. With two thousand kids and twenty five hundred kids, sometimes it's quite challenging. But you make the effort and and, and, you, and t- to do that, and at least and if you can't remember their name, you have a smile on your face. How you doing this morning? Hope you have a great day. Yeah.
1: And we're talking about all this awareness about teachers paying attention, principals paying attention, all of these things. Um, When a kid, when a kid is, um, when, and we talk about the kids being aware of their friends, struggling, the app, the tip for one, tip one, one that um, I mentioned, things like that. If, if a kid is seen struggling do you you want the kids to just come tell you tell their teachers what do you think if they see violent wording on the wall if they see
0: social
3: media social
1: media stuff what do you want the students to do
3: i know for us uh tip 411 is is used by students, by staff, by everyone, and every tip that we receive is checked out. And uh, whether it's a a bullying situation, it's whether it's a concern with a a mental health issue that a student might have, if it's an issue with drug abuse that might be taking place, uh, if there's abuse that might be another student might be concerned about that's taken ho- taking place at home or away from home we check those out and of heaven's sakes we want to know we can't act if if the students don't talk to us I know I sent something out last week and I'm sure Verdi did as well our best ally are our students and our parents and our and our teachers to help us be able to uh Face the challenges that we face today in the world that we live in.
0: Well, you know, it's the same thing. A parent asked me yesterday, David. I'm worried because I asked my own kid, "If you saw somebody, what would happen?" She goes, "He goes, I don't know. I'm afraid I would get hurt, and or, or I'm afraid I would. I don't want to tell." And she said it was a great teachable moment for a child, but that needs to happen times 1,800 for you and 2,500 for you. We need to make sure that everyone knows how many kids. Times that many are told that very thing. And we
5: try to ensure to them that if they do come and tell us something, that we save their anonymity as much as we possibly can, too, because a kid won't tell. Sometimes they think you're going to tell who said it. So we, we, we make sure right off the bat they know we're not going to spray your name in any form, shape, or fashion unless it's something that's criminal. We and have to. And
0: parents realize that we're trying to keep the anonymity going, and so sometimes you want to know who it was, what it was there. we got 16,000 kids, and we're making sure every one of them feels safe, and when they can report, it's important. Did you all want to add to that?
6: Oh, I just wanted to reiterate what kind of what Mike was saying um, and how valuable I've seen it from the parent side. Um, he's had both of my kids. My, my son went through his high school, graduated several years ago, and my daughter's there now. My son's huge extrovert. Um, and that campus was a huge partner with us all the way through from his teachers, from Mike, his counselors incredible and now my daughter who has a completely different personality she's an introvert she doesn't want to talk about things she doesn't want to share emotions but it's been cool to see her as a freshman find those support systems and have those partners. And I do feel like that high school is a partner for me. And I do feel like those are resources for me. And it's a two-way street, you know, because I'll get the email going, hey, you know, this is going on or whatever. So I so appreciate that as a parent. And um, I want our parents to know that that is a resource. That is, we want that two-way communication and, and they want that, you know, it's, you know, I think sometimes parents are scared to say, hey, we've got this going on at home. Don't be scared. You know we we're here to help and 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 we can help so um that that's so valuable and i so appreciate you know what mike williams campus and i know verdi's the same way has been for my family so it's 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 incredible
0: you know and the thing that i'm telling you guys as high school principals it doesn't happen all the time you know high school principals are not going to brag on themselves here but we have two of the best high school principals in america if not the best and um from what Mike does and from what Verdi does, I'll give you an example. You know, Kate, um, my daughter, plays tennis, and Verdi is a tennis coach, former tennis coach, restrung a racket for her, and, and and as embarrassing as it was for Kate, you know, because she doesn't like a little bit like Ash, she doesn't want to get that attention that she comes home and tells us about how Verdi restring their racket and about how this and the, and I think she might've shared with her other friends that you could too restring their rackets, but uh, <laughs> <Sad> the, job. <laughs> the thing is, is that there that connection and, uh, moms, dads, that doesn't happen everywhere. And, uh, that, those phone calls at nine o'clock at night at a awards banquet, worried about a kid or restringing a racket or just saying hello, different extremes, but they're all important.
2: And I just wanted to kind of say in closing that we're having this conversation right now on the hills of a tragedy. And we're talking about what we do um, and how we respond. But I just want everybody out there that is listening to know that this is something that happens 365 days a year. And it's not just on the hills of a tragedy. It's something that happens over Christmas vacation when everyone's on break and in the middle of the night. Um, We are so fortunate to be in this school district. We are so fortunate to have um, principals such as you, Mr. Williams, and you, Mr. Montgomery, and you, Dr. Vincent, and our entire administrative team. Um, I can't think of any other place that I would want my family to be. And it is an honor and a privilege, um, not only to be in this district as a mom, but also as a board member and, and just get the chance to really have an impact on our 16,000 children that we have. So thank you all for what you do each and every day and not just on the hills of a crisis.
0: Our subject for today's podcast was about the value of caring and kindness and engagement on the heels of this terrible tragedy. You know, we hope as parents that you can take some time to talk to your kids about the subject and help them, help them become Achieving Kids because Achieving Kids need to understand the importance of their engagement and their involvement at school and we love them. And I want you to know that the greatest is love and we love your kids. And, and from the, the, every person around this table, it starts with love and it's not about power or struggle or English or math. It's about your baby going home and feeling good about what they did during that day. This is David Vinson. I'm with Amanda Martin and Verdy Montgomery, Mike Williams, Heather Leggett, Barbara Goss. Thank you, Ian, for all the information. And thanks, Mr. Darrell Scott, for sharing his heart and vision with us today. Thank you for helping us build happy and hopeful and achieving kids. The Wally Way.